that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Guests. Uh, I'm, everyone's aware that, but we always want to make it official from the pulpit, I suppose. Uh, the Zood's newest baby was born. Uh, and uh, the, the Zood's newest baby now has a name. It took a while, but it's Amelia May. Um, she was born on Wednesday, 221 at 153 in the morning. She was 7 pounds, 12 ounces, and 21 inches long. And uh, we praise God for all the new life that he continues to bring into this place in the form of children. You look around this place and just see the children and the blessing. and It's really overwhelming for me. Uh, and then... And then the gift of new life. I look around and I see the gift of new life. and It's just such a great blessing. And we praise God for it. Um, this week I was on my Gmail account. And at the top there was a little banner that kept coming up above my Gmail account. Something about Gemini. And I just said ignore. Then I came to understand... Later in the week, what Gemini 1.5 is, Gemini 1.5, is what I want to warn us about today, before we get to the text. I want to, I want to warn us today about our worldview, and protecting our worldview and the worldview of our children and our grandchildren. Uh, when, I was, when I was a young boy or a young man growing up, and I wanted to research something, now I'm old, compared to most of you in here, but how I researched things was, uh, I, had, I had a few sources. One, my parents. I would ask my parents about things. Um, I would ask my teachers about things. I would go to the textbooks that I'd been given at school to go, and then we had this thing called Encyclopedia Britannica, like it was a bunch of books. And everything you ever knew about the world was contained in these eight or ten books, and you had to buy them in progression because they were quite expensive, at least for a family like the Reeds. But that's, that's how I research things. I research things through my parents or my teachers or my textbooks or, or Encyclopedia Britannica. There's a dictionary or those things. Unfortunately, I was not raised uh, understanding uh, to research things through the Word of God. It wasn't part of my upbringing. The ultimate source of truth I was ignorant to. And, and so that wasn't part of how I understood the world around me. In today's world, when we want to find something out, we want to research something, what do we do, Annika? We Google it. Isn't that what we do? We Google it. I don't know if you can even buy an Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, I, I don't, you know, you Google it. And that's how we come to gain knowledge. The Internet has all the answers. And how people access all the answers is through search engines like Google. Well, Google has this new AI model, AI, artificial intelligence, AI model called Gemini 1.5. It's like ChatGBT, if you know what ChatGBT is. You basically ask it questions, and do a search, and it gives you the answers. So it's where you're going to go find your answers when you want to research anything. It, there, the, Google says it's designed to create text, Images and videos from simple prompts. So you give it a prompt and it'll give you text or images or videos about whatever it is you're asking about. Again, ChatGBT is very similar. That's the competing product. And I want, I want to tell us all it's extremely dangerous. Okay, it's very dangerous. And I want, to, I want us to think about why. Um, there was an example of... Uh, Gemini was asked to show a picture of a white person. And the answer that came back to that query was, uh, it wouldn't fulfill the request because it reinforces harmful stereotypes and generalizations about peace, people based on race. And then Gemini was asked to show a picture of a black person. And it again declined, but the answer was... Uh, it offered up images that would celebrate the diversity and achievements of black people. Uh, the, the, the reshaping 
the reshaping of history and, and, the, and, the, and the criminalization or the, or, the, or the looking down upon whiteness and, and the promotion of blackness and all the woke things that are going on. This is what's being fed through this search engine. Uh, uh, Gemini was asked to show a picture of Nazi German soldiers. And the picture came back with an Asian woman and a black man in Nazi garb. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. It is reshaping history. The pictures that came... Now we laugh at that like that's ridiculous. The next generation won't laugh at that. That'll become their reality. It's a distortion of the truth. It's, it's a bunch of lies. Are there only two genders? Gemini says, no, there's many more than two genders. This is where you go research things now. Children, beware. Parents, beware. Gemini, is pedophilia wrong? No, you can't help who you love. That's the answer that this search engine will give you. It's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Drawing up pictures the pictures of a, of a pope. It was a female pope and another picture of a black pope. That's what... Uh, a, a portrait. Ask it for a portrait of the founding fathers. You get a Native American Indian, uh, a black man, a dark-skinned non-white man, and an Asian man in colonial garb. That's the picture you get for the, the founding fathers of America. Where should we get, where should we do our research? How do we do research? Well, well, listen, we start with the Bible. That is where all truth is contained. And everything we need for salvation and sanctification is contained in the Bible. And granted, there's no history of America in the Bible in a specific sense, certainly in a general sense. For instance, the history of America right now appears to be Romans 1 18 through 32 seems to be where, we, where America is right now, a, a, a nation under judgment, like all nations have been. We have to be careful about our worldview. And we have to be careful to protect our children to have a right worldview. And if we turn our children over, like many of them are right now, unbeknownst to us, searching chat GBT to do their homework or, or using Gemini to find, ask it a question. And, and we will continue to tell our children truth and try to point them back to truth, but it can get away from us if we aren't careful. We are, we are to protect our children. We are to be pillars and buttresses of truth as the church. So about a year ago, Tanner started using ChatGBT for his business and was telling me I ought to use ChatGBT. Didn't really know what it was. Went and punched in something and it came back with a, I gave it a little information, gave me like a two paragraph clear, um, what, clear speaking of what I had just given it in a little short form. It was really pretty impressive. And then Tanner threw a few things in there and about a dad and a son and me and him. And then it told this whole story about Tanner and Mike. Well, now all this information is known about Tanner and Mike. And it was very impressive. Then you punch in things like this, and here's the answers you get back. I would caution all of us from using AI in this way. I realize I'm, I'm, I realize I'm not up with the times. I realize that this is where the world's headed. Well, not, not my world, and I would encourage it not to be our world. Our worldview should come from God, from the Word of God. And our logic and reason should follow from that. Amen. So isn't it simple there's two genders? Isn't that not simple from the Word of God? I don't care what Gemini says. Isn't it true there are races or ethnicities? Isn't it true that America was mainly settled and developed by Europeans who happened to have not much melanin in their skin? Is it true that every pope has been a white male?
<laughs> Just be careful for our children and our grandchildren. Be careful for the kids in this room right now and, and how they access information and what they're being told is true. I understand, I understand. Some of you may come to me later and say, Pastor, you just can't toss out AI like that and ChatGBT and Gemini. And you, Well, I, I, maybe I can't, but I, I'm certainly going to until somebody can help me to understand why I shouldn't. Be careful with what I research. And just because Google puts it up there, the first search isn't necessarily true. Okay, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We'll be in verses 15 through 24 this morning. We're going to see a parable where Jesus is telling this group who won't dine at the great banquet. Who won't dine at the great banquet? Please stand and I will read verses 15 through 24 of Luke 14. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and examine them, uh, exam- see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. You may be seated. This passage known as the the parable of the great banquet is fairly familiar to most. But like a lot of these things that are familiar to us, probably not often properly applied to the listener or to the reader. There's clear teaching in here, I think, that Jesus has for us and for everyone in here. I think there's, there's application for believers and unbelievers from today's passage. Remember, Jesus is attending a, a Sabbath day meal at the, the home of a ruler of the Pharisees. So the, the home he's at on this Sabbath day meal would, would be a very important man, probably a member of the 70-person Sanhedrin. Uh, He's really a big deal. He's really important. And all of his guests would have been very important. These were all all, um, the scribes and the other Pharisees. And and remember then, Jesus was invited to this Sabbath meal, and the first thing that happens is he he just, there just happens to be a man with dropsy there. Uh, A man that's filled with fluid. Edema. And uh, Jesus uh, basically points out the hypocrisy of these men that are gathered there who would not want this man drowning in his own fluid to be healed on the Sabbath because of their man-made laws. And, and that they would, they would certainly pull their own child or their own oxen out of a well if it fell in there on the Sabbath. So he pointed out their hypocrisy of this group. And then and next he tells a, a parable about, about their self-exaltation. Remember, they all wanted the best seat closest to the host. And, and that's how they had status. And he, and he pointed out to them how your self-exaltation will lead you to be ashamed in the end. And, and those who are ashamed or, or think low of themselves and go for those far back, humility will bring exaltation in the end, in the kingdom of God. And then he shows them that their, their temporal focus of this reciprocity, remember this, this having people that can have you back. And, and no, you shouldn't do that, he tells us Pharisees. You should have people that can't pay you back. But they have this temporal focus of, of this earthly, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And he pointed out the, the wrong thinking in that. He's basically spending this entire time thus far showing how these, these men in this, this, this gathering, none of them would be in the kingdom of God. 
He's showing them how their thinking and their religion was all wrong. And, and so he says all these things um, at, the, at, the, at the end of this in verse 14. He said, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be prayed at the resurrection of the just. So he has just talked about uh, don't, don't invite those who can repay you. Invite those who can't. That's the, I, that's the heart of one who will be in the kingdom. And where you'll get your repayment is at the re- resurrection of the just. So he's just spent this this time at this Sabbath day meal, basically helping these men to see they were separated from God because of their self-righteousness, because of their temporal focus, because of their, their hope and their ethnicity and their, and their piousness. And then this, this arrogant man, after all of this, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He, he's making reference to the great fe- uh, this great feast in God's future kingdom. This man, this Pharisee or this lawyer, he, he hears all of these things. He hears him talk about the, the resurrection of the just and he, and he spouts out what a great blessing will be to eat bread in God's future kingdom. They Remember the Pharisees and the scribes, the people at this Sabbath meal, they would all believe in the resurrection. They would, they would believe in a resurrection of the just and they would believe in this, in this future feast or banquet. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine or rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. This was the hope of this Pharisee and this, this Pharisee and all these followers there. They, they had this hope in a, in, a, in a great feast in God's eternal kingdom. Remember back in, in Luke 13. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? So remember, this question is talking about salvation. It's talking about eternity. This was in another town. He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and I will not be able and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in your, our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. So this is the expectation. The expectation is this man says, blessed, we're blessed because we're going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. We're going to be at this great feast in heaven at the resurrection of the, of the just. This is the feast that we see referenced in Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is the, this is the, the bread of the kingdom of God that this man expected that he would be eating. And, and our, I think our first application that we should see here is, in spite of Jesus' teaching up to this point, in spite of His reproof and rebuke of them up to this point, showing them that their, their self-righteousness, their rule following, their, their, their lack of eternal focus, the, their pious lives weren't enough, this man expresses a false hope. He expresses a false hope. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't let that go. We are around many people who express false hope. Uh, You hear Brother Tony go out and ask the question, uh, what will happen when you die? When you stand before God? And and the answer most of the time is, well, I'll be in heaven. And then ask for a reason, and the reason is not one that's filled with true hope. But but we, we 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 have Jesus here telling this man the truth about his current situation as it would pertain to dining at the great feast in glory. 
There are very religious people that are in our lives that we come across regularly, like who Jesus is with right there. We, there are Mormons who are very pious, Roman Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses, health, wealth, and prosperity Christians. Their hope is in something other than Christ alone. And, and yet they'll make a, they'll make a, uh, they'll make a claim that they will be in heaven. And their claim is empty because it's not based on Christ. It's based on something different. And, and like Jesus, we need to speak into those situations with clarity and with, with truth. Just like Jesus did. We must correct those with delusional expectations of their eternal destiny. Which is exactly what Jesus is going to do here. He's going to correct this man who has a delusional expectation of his eternity. As a, as a, as a response to this man's statement, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't say that's not true because is that not true? Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Absolutely true statement. But he tells the parable that describes those who will not be dining in the kingdom of God, of which this particular man is one. These are going to tell this parable that's going to show this, this man and this ruler of the Pharisees and all the guests they won't be dining. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. So in their day, when you would have a banquet or a wedding feast, any kind of a big meal like this, there would be an invitation that would go out. But unlike our invitations that go out today, I'm, I'm guessing when you guys had your wedding, you said, oh, save this date. And whatever the date was, we knew the date. Okay, back then they didn't say save the date, but they said, you know, save the concept. I'm going to have a big party and you're invited. And then people would RSVP and they would say, great, can't wait to be there. Well, this guy was going to give a great banquet. He invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So now he's given this first invitation. They've, they've accepted this. And, and now it's time to come to the party. Now it's time to come. They, another message comes out and says, okay, all you who are invited, all who accepted the invitation, okay, now it's time to come. And, and again, this parable would, would ring in the ears of, these, of his listeners. Of course they would go. This is a great banquet. They would have been looking forward to this. They'd been really happy when they were told, okay, now's the time. Come to the party. But they all like begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another I said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So when the time comes for these invited guests to then come to the big feast, they all make these, as we'll look at later, these, these, these silly excuses. So as these, these listeners, these Pharisees and these scribes are listening to this parable, it's like, well, that wouldn't happen. They'd want to come to this party. Of course they'd want to come to this big feast. But they're making these, these lame excuses. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Okay, in the parable, these, these, these well-to-dos that were invited, because remember, they could pay back, they didn't come. So the master said, Go out and get the crippled. Go out in the city and get the crippled and the lame. Go out and get these ne'er-do-wells and have them come. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. We've done that. Some of these crippled, lame, poor, they came, but there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. So in the parable, he says, Okay, there's still more room, the servant says. Well, go back out now. Go outside of the city. Go to the hedges and the highways, to those that are even farther removed from the original invitees, and gather them in. Compel them to come. 
So the parable starts out with this picture of an invitation to this, this great banquet. The invitation which is parallel to the invitation to the Jews. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. God gave an invitation to the Jews. His chosen people. God had invited the Jews to his banquet. They were the first to be invited. We see in Romans 3. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. So there's an advantage to be a Jew, Paul says. The advantage was this. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. God spoke to the Jewish people. He didn't speak to the Babylonians. He didn't speak to the Egyptians. He spoke to the Jewish people. That's who he spoke to. He gave them the oracles of God. Romans 9. They are Israelites. And to them belong the adoption. Remember? He, he told Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, Israel is my son, my firstborn. They've been adopted by me. The Jews had been adopted by God as His special people. The glory. The glory of the tabernacle, tabernacle where God would come and dwell amongst them in the tabernacle. The covenants. God made covenants not with the Gentiles. He made covenants with the Jews. The giving of the law. The Mosaic law was given to them. God's written law given to them through Moses. And the promises. The promises of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race according to the flesh. And you know what else? These Jews, according to the flesh, Christ came. Christ was a Jew. Here's this invitation that was given to the Jews that is being talked about in this parable to these very religious Jews. This is the invitation that had been given first to the Jews. Matthew 10. These these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus sent his disciples first to the Jews to tell them of the salvation of God that was coming. So throughout the Old Testament... We see the Jews are invited by God to be His people. This is the first invitation. This is the, this is the party they're invited to and they accept. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll be circumcised. We'll accept this covenantal deal. We'll, we'll be your people. And then we see in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This is is the second invite. This is when, when John the Baptist and Jesus come and say, okay, it's time to come to the party now. In and through Jesus Christ, this is the Messiah's here. Now's how you can come and enter into this banquet. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. All of these promises that were made to the Jews, they're all now ready. They're all coming to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. Come. Come now. Enter into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ into that future banquet. So, So this parable, this great banquet was announced to those on the invite list. Save the date with no specific date. And then, and then the second announcement to them was, hey, it's time to come. And the parable, Jesus' listeners, they would expect everybody to come. As he's telling this parable, well, of course now these people are going to come. But they don't. They, they, it's a parable. And, and he now tells them of the excuses when it was time to come. The excuses that were given. But they all alike, all alike, all of these first invitees, 
all of these ones who were the, the first ones to be asked to come, they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. So the first excuse is, I bought a field. I have to go and, and see it. So I can't come. Really. So you can't come to this banquet, this great banquet given by this great man. Because you have to go look at a field. You can't wait a week to go look at the field. You can't plan to, to see that. This, this first excuse to these Pharisees, it would have been a silly excuse. The listeners to Jesus, it's, it's a silly excuse. But, but what it does expose is it shows their love of land. It shows their love of the things of this world. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Well, if you bought them, you already examined them. You didn't just buy something sight unseen. It's a silly excuse again. These Pharisees be saying like, what kind of excuse is that? This feast being given by this man, this great man, who they would want to come and reciprocate and, and be seen and sit, they'd be rushing to the best seats. They're not coming because they're, they've got to go look at some oxen that they bought. But, but what it does expose is this love of possessions. It exposes this love of possessions. Another said, I have, a, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Again, being married would not keep anyone away from a great banquet. And, and, and you certainly wouldn't accept, the, you wouldn't RSVP to be there if you knew you were getting married at the same time. If this is such a great banquet, you wouldn't have your wedding at the same time. So, so again, it's a silly excuse, but it shows their love of relationship. She's got this love of land, this love of possession, this love of relationship. And that's, what's, that's, what, that's what he's telling them in this parable. Of course it seems silly, but this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. These ridiculous excuses that are being given would not have been used to not come to this great banquet that you had RSVP'd and said you'd be at. But it exposes something about them. Their, their love of earthly possessions and relationships. And just next week, Jesus is going to talk about those relationships more in depth. But next in this parable, the, the anger of the host of the banquet When one of those who reclined at table with him heard the things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread at the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So, the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry. So again, in the parable, he became angry, or gizzo, to be very angry, to be enraged. This guy had this elaborate, huge, wonderful banquet that had been planned. He had invited a bunch of his chosen people to attend. When it comes time to come, they all make bad excuses why they're not coming. And he gets mad. He's angry. To hell with them. This very important person, he's, he's hosting this very exclusive great banquet, and then he, he hears these ridiculous excuses why the people he chose aren't going to come, and he gets mad. Of course, this represents God and His anger. His anger towards the Jews, those He first invited. We saw today in the psalm, He has indignation every day. He's angry with the wicked every day. We see God's anger held back and then sometimes put out upon the Jews all through the Old Testament. But now, now it's time for the party. Now it's time to come in and through Jesus Christ, and they have all these excuses, and he's angry. These 
these people who were his first adopted, who he gave the oracles, who he gave the law, who, who he built a tabernacle amongst them where he would dwell. Whom through he sent his son as a Jew. And they say, no, we're not coming. We got these reasons. We, we love our possessions and we love our earthly things and we love our relationships. Make no, excuse, make, make no mistake. God will pour out His anger on those who are invited and don't come because of their excuses. God will pour out His wrath that's already abiding on those who won't come that have been invited. Those like these Pharisees who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, who won't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who won't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God remains on them. And now Jesus goes on in this parable to tell who will be invited. Who will be invited? Who won't be is those who make excuses when it's time to come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Since these wealthy, important elite don't want to come, they make excuses. Go out and invite the lowlifes. Go out and invite the ne'er-do-wells. Go out, go out and invite those who can never repay anything. Back to how these Pharisees would have heard this parable. That's ridiculous. This is a ridiculous parable. No upstanding, wealthy man giving a great banquet is going to go out and invite these crippled, lame, poor people. Well, that's what he says to go do. Again, laughable to his audience. Leviticus 21, 17, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generation who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease, or scabs, or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has blemish, shall come near to offer the Lord's food offerings. Since he has a blemish, he shall not come near to offer the bread of God. These self-righteous Pharisees are saying, look, there's no way this, this great man with this great banquet is going to invite these kind of people. And yet Jesus says, this is who the, in the parable, this is who the master says, go invite these people. Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The righteous made excuses and didn't come. So the master says, go out and invite these sick people that know they're sick, that know they have no business coming to the banquet of this wealthy man. Have no business coming because they can't repay anything. They're lowlifes. They can't even dress right. They have no business coming, and they know it. Go invite them and have them come in. The first chosen people invited, they made excuses and didn't come. Okay? To hell with them. Let's go invite the poor and the crippled and the lame. Because, by the way, where are these Pharisees that did not accept the Messiah and continue to reject Him with their poor excuses? They're in hell. That's where they are. Invite these lowlifes. Go into the streets, okay? You're still in the city limits. 
So forget these wealthy Jews throwing the party that were invited. Go and invite the lowlifes that are in the city, the poor and the crippled and the lame, other Jews. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. We went and invited in the city gates all the poor and the lame and the crippled and the blind, and many of them came, but there's still room. Now what? And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Go outside of the walls, go outside of Judaism, go out to the Gentiles and invite them in. Go out to the highways and the hedges, these really people that are separated from Judaism, really separated from from the temple, really separated from all this religion. Go out in the hedges and highways and compel them to come. The word compel, anagazo, to compel, to force, to force by threats, by permission, by entreaties, by other means. Go out there and drag them in. You go out to the Gentiles that are the farthest away from the original invite list. And you go and you grab them all and you compel them and you beg them and you implore them and you drag them and you bring them in. Why? That my house may be filled. My house may be filled. It's not going to be filled by these first invitees. It's not going to be filled by the other lowlifes of that, gen- of that Jewish race. It's going to be filled by all kinds of people. So go out now and invite, and these Pharisees' minds would be blowing. No, you're crazy. No master, no self-respecting Jew is going to throw a great banquet that's going to include, first of all, these lowlifes, and then second of all, people outside the city. We are to go, they were to go in the parable, go out and compel by force, by threats, by permission, by entreaties, by other means. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. Go out amongst all the nations. Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance got overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere. To repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. What is it that Paul is saying in Acts? What is Luke writing about? All people everywhere. First invitee list, rejected. Second group, many came, but it wasn't enough to fill the house. Go out. And invite all people everywhere. Call them to repent. Compel them. Threaten them. Force them. Beg them. You can see where this is going, can't you? 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you. We are to go out and implore people. Beg people. Beseech people. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, there are a lot of people, religious people, that we come in contact with. A lot of people will make a profession that they're going to be in heaven. We are to correct them. And when they reject and continue to reject, we're to go out here and then out there. And not just... But don't ignore the Catholic. Don't ignore the Jehovah's Witness. Don't don't ignore the Mormon. Don't ignore the nominal Christian in Big Eva. Tell them of their, their delusional hope. Their d- delusional expectation. And then tell everyone. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on him and our, to our God for He will abundantly pardon We are to go out and implore people, to tell people to seek the Lord while He may be found. (laughs) Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts just this week with someone very near to me and dear to me. I'm imploring him to seek the Lord. 
Turn away from your sin. Stop being wicked. Seek the Lord while He may be found before it's too late. Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, in that my inn that my house may be filled. When is Jesus Christ going to return? When the last of his elect has entered into the kingdom of God. When the last of his elect has entered into the kingdom of God, will be at the banquet, he will return. Do we want Jesus to return? Let's go out and drag them all in. Let's compel them to come in. Let's beg them to come in. Let's force them to come in. Because that will usher in the return of Jesus Christ. When his house is full. When his banquet is full. When the table is full. Romans eleven twenty five, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. These original invitees, they're hardened. They're rejecting. The house isn't filled. The banquet table, the glorious banquet table in, in heaven is not full. They're hardened. Go out and talk to everybody else. Well, who's everybody else? Everybody this day. Go find me a pure ethnic Jew. Go find me somebody from the tribe of Benjamin. Every single person, all men everywhere are called to repent. And that's our job, to go out and tell Everyone. Everyone. Enter into eternity through faith in Jesus Christ until his house is filled. How many is it going to be? I have no idea. I know what I'm supposed to do, though. Go drag people in. Go threaten them. Go compel them. Go beg them. Go implore them to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Because I'm his ambassador. I've received reconciliation. I now have this ministry of reconciliation. Parables showing these Jews how they were out. They were out. We're going to see that right here in verse 24. For I tell you, he turns from this parable. And he says to these listeners, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. You see, I'm turning from a parable, Jesus says, to my banquet. The one you alluded to back in verse 15, he said, blessed is the one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. None of those invited. Oh, by the way, you Pharisees, you scribes, you sitting at this Sabbath day meal, you were all invited. And none of you are going to be there because you've got a bunch of excuses. Because you're counting on your religion. And your piousness. And your ethnicity. And your birthright. Revelation 19.6. Revelation 7 first. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. A multitude that no one could number. How many are going to be at the marriage feast? More than you can number. And where are they going to be from? Israel? No, from all tribes and nations and tongues. Go out and bring them in. There's going to be lots. The, 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 the God's arm is not too short to save. He will save any who confess Christ as Lord. Go tell them. Bring them in. Drag your children in, beloved. Threaten them. Beg them. Implore them. Bring them with you. As far as you're concerned, you bring them with you. And you don't take no for an answer. 
every single person in who has not confessed Christ as Lord. I'm telling you now, come. Come, children. Come, adults. Enter into glory for the, through Jesus Christ who died that your sins could be forgiven. I am demanding, I am commanding, I am telling you, enter. Don't wait. Come now. <laughs> because, because I looked and there's a great multitude, no one can number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the, around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the banquet. This is the feast. This is glory. Worshipping God. <laughs> Acknowledging the salvation we have belongs to God and to the Lamb. Revelation 19, then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has, been, has made re herself ready. It was granted for her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Who will dine? Who will dine at the great feast? Who will? Those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Those who turn to Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Those who recognize they are lame and poor and crippled. Who won't dine there? Those who make excuses. Those who are trusting in their ethnicity. In their parents. Those who are trusting in their, their own deeds, their own works, their own self-righteousness. And the angel said to me, Oopsie. And when one of those reclined at table with, with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Delusional expectation. Wanting Jesus to say, yep, can't wait to see you there. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. He invited all of you Jews that are sitting in front of me, Jesus says. And by the way, he's inviting all of you. You're all invited. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for now everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. A love of land. This land. Another said, I have, fought, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. I got possessions. I need to focus on those possessions. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I've got relationships. I've got relationships that are really important to me. I might lose those relationships. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. The servant says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. 
Closing thought. This self-righteous Pharisee and his important Jewish guests who are dining with Jesus on the Sabbath day meal will not be dining with him at God's future heavenly feast because they rejected him as their Messiah. They didn't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many people to this day who reject Jesus due to their trust in their religion. There are many people who are trusting in their religion. Ask some why they're going to heaven. They'll tell you because they're Catholic or because they're Baptist or because they're Methodist or because they're Jehovah's Witness or because they're Mormon. There are many people to this day who reject Jesus due to their trust in their religion and or their love of this world. The love of this world that it comes in the form of many excuses. Many excuses like they love this world too much or excuses like they love their sin too much. I love my sin too much. I love it way more than I love Christ. They will not dine with Jesus in God's kingdom. We must warn them and then move to invite those who are poor, crippled, blind, and lame to enter the kingdom of God by faith. Christ will return when the kingdom of God is full and the great wedding banquet of Christ with his bride will be at hand. Christ will return when his house is full. When the last of the elect is redeemed, is regenerated, is believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, confessing Christ as Lord, then he will return. Will you be dining at the table, at table with Jesus in God's kingdom? Will you be dining with Jesus in God's kingdom? Or are you making excuses? If not, what is your excuse? What's your excuse? What's your excuse that you don't profess Christ as Lord? What's your excuse? You love your sin too much? You don't think you're that bad? You think you're okay? You love the world too much? Repent. Look to Christ. Today is the, enter, the day to enter God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then await the great banquet to come. Spurgeon says, excuses are curses. And when you have no excuses left, there will be hope for you. Excuses are curses. And when you have no excuses left, there will be hope for you. What's your excuse? What's your excuse for not begging, threatening, compelling, dragging people into glory? I think next week Jesus will point out one of those excuses. Father, we thank you for your word. Again, we thank you for the clarity with which you you have taught us. I'm thankful for ears to hear and eyes to see truth. Father, I pray today that there would be those in here who would stop with any excuses. They would hear the invitation, the free gift of salvation that they can have in Christ Jesus and that they would come. They would come. They would come by faith for the forgiveness of their sins and for the salvation of their souls from the wrath that you have for them. Father, we pray this would happen for your glory and for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand and sing hymn 391, Come Ye Sinners.